Hello and welcome to Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for Baptist. And I'm Amanda Comer, the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we are glad to have Dr. Jennifer Snow back with us. You remember she came on about this time last year talking about COVID and, and children. And so we're glad to have her back to, to give us an update. Dr. Snow, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. So a lot has changed in the last year. You know, early on, the story was um, most kids do not get COVID-19. And uh, it was one of the one of the bright spots from a pretty dark year. Uh, what has changed? What are, we, what are we now seeing? You know, we're hearing a lot of reports about a rise in cases in, in children. Yeah, it's really the Delta variant has changed that game. You know, earlier on with the original strains, um, we saw, you know, some cases, but not the numbers that we are seeing now. And uh, COVID cases in children are increasing across the board, across the country. Uh, when you look at the AAP um, data, just as of August 19th, there's been a 180,000 new confirmed cases in that preceding week alone. And that's a more full, more than fourfold increase in the cases over the last month. Um, and children are now making about 22% of the reported weekly cases. So um, those trends are certainly being seen across the country. Uh, we're seeing them here in our own Baptist system. Um, some data from our own hospital. You know, in July, we uh, tested 871 children and 63 were positive for a 7% positivity rate. In August to date, we have now tested over 2,000 children, uh, 2017 to be exact, and 366 have returned positive with a positivity rate 18%. Um, for comparison, in June, we only tested 54 kids and one was positive. So there's certainly a vast increase, and that's telling. That kind of tells the story right there. Um, you know, and, and with regard to hospitalizations, you know, we are seeing an overall increase in, in children being admitted to the hospital, to the PEDS floor and PEDS ICU with COVID. Um, I'd say when you look at the data, the overall hospitalization rate for children in general is not much higher than the original strain, which is good, but the sheer volume of increase in number of cases then increases the hospitalization numbers that we're seeing with this Delta variant, that makes sense. Um, it's still about a 1.6 to 3% hospitalization rate overall for children. Uh, we're just seeing more cases, so that number of hospitalizations is certainly going up. So are the patients that you're seeing do they have significant comorbidities? Um, yes, um, we certainly, kids are more vulnerable, just like adults, if they have um, coexisting conditions, such as being overweight, obese, um, asthma, immunocompromised. Um, I would say anecdotally, the sicker children we have seen tend to have comorbidities, um, probably the most common being obesity. Um, and we know, you know, in our county, in Shelby County, we do have, you know, a large proportion of children. A recent study showed about 39% of kids are overweight in Shelby County alone. So that's a large percentage of kids in our community that are vulnerable to complications from COVID who are at higher risk of having, needing to be hospitalized, needing to, you know, possibly need um, intensive care and get more sick, um, especially from this Delta variant. We have a large asthma population um, certainly, we have, you know, we say Jude in town, we have an oncologist, you know, we have a cancer population, we have immunocompromised children. Um, so, 
children, you know, certainly have those issues like the adults do um, that make them more vulnerable to having complications if they're infected with COVID. And so we know that, that COVID is not the only thing that's really on the rise in, in children right now. Are you seeing more cases of RSV and other pediatric illnesses? Absolutely. <laughs> we are, um, with the rise in COVID hospitalizations, we are, I'd say, seeing an epidemic of RSV, um, which is unprecedented for this time of year. You know, I, I've been practicing critical care for 16 years, and I've never in my career seen a summer season like this, with, especially with regard to RSV. We're seeing a handful of other respiratory viruses, but our, the vast majority of our admissions have been RSV in terms of, you know, the admits to our, our um, pediatric floor and our ICU. So in a time of increased hospitalization for COVID, we're seeing increased hospitalization for RSV. And it really, you know, if you look at the number of beds in, for pediatric hospitals across the country, there's concern, you know, are we going to have capacity um, if this RSV surge continues, this Delta variant surge continues, and kids needing to be hospitalized, um, just like the adult world you know, has been facing capacity issues, um, you know, throughout this entire pandemic. Um, we are now bracing for that in the pediatric world, um, unfortunately, uh, with a limited number of children's centers and pediatric ICU beds across the country. Uh, and school is just now starting, so we're bracing um, for even a further increase in, in numbers, um, just anticipating what's going to happen. And, and are you seeing more RSV than COVID or, or about even numbers, or, or how would you characterize it? Um, I'd say more RSV than COVID. By, no, by sheer numbers, more RSV than COVID, but certainly increasing COVID admissions um, compared to earlier in the pandemic. Even during the December surge that we saw last year, um, this is much higher um, than what we saw earlier. What about co-infections? Are you seeing individuals test positive for, for both RSV and COVID? We have. We have. You know, so, you know, the question is, what's causing? <laughs> You know, well, um, I'd say those patients had have more typically had the bronchiolitis symptoms and, and presentation. COVID may just be a, you know, incidental finding and not contributing much to the illness. Mm. Um, but we haven't had too many of those. But in the patients that we have had had tested positive for both. Um, but COVID can cause respiratory symptoms, too. So it's, you know, it's hard to tease out. Um, but we just do supportive care and, and those children, you know, all did well. And so with seeing more, you know, COVID-19 patients in the hospital, are, have, has the treatment, I guess, for, for COVID changed in children? Uh, is it the same as, as treating adults? Uh, what do you use? Uh, I don't really know much about it. Similar to the adult you know, world, it, for mild to moderate infections, um, especially if they don't need to come into the hospital, it's supportive care. Um, it's IV hydration, you know, um, analgesics if they have myalgias, you know, ibuprofen, Tylenol for fevers. It's all primarily supportive care. If they get admitted um, and certainly need more supportive care with respiratory support, oxygen, um, all the way up to you know, high flow nasal cannula, positive pressure ventilation. Um, for those kids, we are um, in consultation with infectious disease using remdesivir. Uh, for those kids with more uh, severe illness in the kids who hypoxic, we are following the adult protocols and using dexamethasone uh, for those patients who come in hypoxic. Um, 
we have used tocilizumab, the you know IL-6 monoclonal antibody. Um, you know, we have had to use that in consultation with infectious disease for those patients who are refractory, um, you know, worsening, not you know, on dex, on remdesivir, and we're stepping up the therapy um, to those patients. Not not in vast numbers by any means. Um, that's far and few between. But um, yes to dexamethasone. Yes to remdesivir for those patients who require it in the hospital. So as you mentioned, schools are reopening. So what can we expect? And then also, what can we do? It's a hot question right now. Um, I with the Delta variant and knowing how easily it's transmitted and how contagious it is, um, we're going to see ca cases happen in schools. I think we have to face that reality. Um, you know, last year with COVID in schools, the transmission rate in school was actually not deemed to be found significant in school settings. Um, it was more in the community. Um, but with the Delta variant, uh, there's concern for, you know, aerosolization of particles. Um, it's much more transmissible. The viral load is much higher. Um, and we've already seen it in the you know, week or two that school's been open in other counties. You know, there's thousands of kids already on quarantine, you know, in, in various school symptoms. So we're going to see exposures. We're going to see cases from school. Um, but those mitigation strategies, you know, we still have to use that, that layered approach um, and just what's common sense. We know mask work, um, certainly mask for kids. Probably with Delta, we need to be a little more cognizant to make sure it's a secure fitting mask. You know, it, it's, you know, the cloth mask. Um, there, there's a number of producers now making masks that have good filtration, um, you know, that, that are produced specifically for kids. Parents can look into that. Um, there was a study that just came out of Hopkins talking about HEPA filtration and how effective that is in reducing um, COVID transmission. Um, ventilation just by opening windows in schools. Um, you know, schools need to think about the mitigation strategy, social distancing. Um, and then the big thing, obviously, is vaccination. Um, you know, we know that the vaccine was just, you know, FDA, fully FDA approved for 12 and up with the Pfizer vaccine. And so um, it's that layered approach. And I think about it as just wrapping our kids who can't be vaccinated with these layered approaches to protect them um, and those who can't get the vaccine for other medical reasons, protect them, you know, from illness. Because um, the vast majority, like the adult data, the vast majority of our patients who are admitted are unvaccinated, either because they can't get it because of their age um, or they're a teenager who have not received the vaccine yet, and typically their families are also not vaccinated. So just like the adult world, the vast majority of disease burden being hospitalized are in the unvaccinated population. Damn. You know, one of the hot topics last year at this time was a disease that we saw cropping up called MIS. C. Can you remind the audience what this is and, and are we thinking we're going to see more of this? Yeah, it's a um, multi-inflammatory syndrome in children. It's a post-infectious um, immune phenomenon that we saw specifically in children. There are a few cases in adults, um, but it's this, this condition of massive inflammation that can affect multiple systems, the heart, uh, the GI tract, um, sometimes the lung, the knees. And so we use you know, immune therapy, steroids, IVIG to treat it. Um, we did. It typically happens. You see the condition crop up in about um, you know four to six weeks after an active COVID infection or an exposure um, to a family member or, or someone who was known to have COVID. Um, 
it, very similar to Kawasaki um, in terms of the symptoms that you see, conjunctivitis, rash, oral mucosal changes, vomiting, diarrhea, um, flu-like symptoms. And um, we here at Baptist, we haven't seen it yet. I know it's in the community um, and that's another condition along with RSV and COVID that we are expecting to see. Um, in other states that have seen the, where the Delta you know, started to crop up versus Arkansas, Louisiana, certainly, and those case, those states are certainly seeing cases of MISC right now. So we're just anticipating that our numbers are gonna go up as well. Do we have any news about when vaccines will be available for children? We are eagerly awaiting, you know, news of when it'll be available. And uh, we know that, that Pfizer is going to be the company to have that first pediatric vaccine, specifically in 5 to 11. And we're told that they expect to have enough data by the end of September uh, to submit for emergency authorization use. So that's the timeline we're looking at um, when that'll be available and, and, you know, out in production, um, hopefully not long after, but, you know, it just has to go through the same process as, you know, be vigilant and looking at all the data making sure, you know, it's safe, effective, weigh the risk and benefits of vaccination um, over not. Uh, but yeah, we're eagerly awaiting. Um, the younger children, that's obviously going to be farther off. Um, and primarily, it's, it's a dose dependent. They've just got to figure out the right doses, you know, for these yeah. kids of various weights um, in those age groups. So, yeah, so hopefully it'll, at least the data will be submitted end of September is what we're expecting from Pfizer. It's great. They can't come, it can't come soon enough, though, is yeah. whatever you're feeling right now. Well, Dr. Snow, thank you so much for coming on and giving us this update. Is there anything else, any other comments that you want to give to the physician community? I would just encourage everyone to get vaccinated. I know there's even in the medical community um, some hesitation. Um, you know, when you look at over 96% of physicians are vaccinated across the country. And, you know, it, it's been deemed safe. It's effective. We know it's effective in preventing, you know, hospitalization and severe illness. And we've just got to do whatever we can to stop the transmission. If we don't get herd immunity, as we know with viruses, it's going to continue to mutate. And we're, you know, there's, sadly, I don't know where the light at the end of the tunnel is if we don't increase our vaccination rates, to be honest. And we all want to be out of this, obviously, this pandemic. So that's my PSA for vaccination. Um, mm -hmm. I encourage everyone that it's safe, even in pregnant women, even in you know pregnancy and, and breastfeeding, and in the right now 12 and up age group, you know pediatrics. It's it's the risk of COVID far outweigh any of the risk of the vaccine. Yeah. So that's all I have. Well, thank you again, and thank you everybody for listening to Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem CME credit.